All right, welcome back to Unleash, the most legit Celtics podcast in the game. I'm your host, Ev, and we have episode number 94 today. We're talking a few different things. Since episode number 93, a lot has transpired here, um, but we'll get into all that here. We're starting with the the man, the myth, the legend, Peyton Pritchard, and we're going to kind of spotlight a few players on this episode, so stay tuned if you're listening for a specific player, a specific um you know, a guy that you think is sort of being underrated, flying under the radar this year. I'm sure he's going to be on this sort of list here. But um, yeah, starting with Peyton Pritchard, a guy that I don't think is under the radar anymore. I think every single person that likes the Celtics even, I'm not even going to say Celtics fan, kind of is starting to love or at least begin to like Peyton Pritchard. And if you're like me and like many other Celtics fans, you've kind of already absolutely jumped on the wagon and said this kid's the real deal. So Peyton Pritchard, you know, I, I, the, the the numbers aren't like, oh my God, like jump out at you. Like this guy is the GOAT. So I'm not going to say that. I'm going to talk about what he actually brings to the team, okay? So so yeah, sure, he goes for 23 and 8 one night. I don't think that that's going to be his typical scoring output. I'm not, I shouldn't be out on a limb there, but a guy, you know, he's averaging, I think, uh, 8 points, 3 assists, um, 50% from the field. And I saw something earlier. I think it was like, you know, low 30s for three point. So it's like, yeah, he's not absolutely like thrilling it in the numbers category. But a couple things here. First, before we even get into sort of the stuff that's off the stat sheet, which and off the box score, you know, that type of blah, blah, blah. He does fill up the numbers sometimes, okay? So, you know, 23 and 8 that night against Toronto. Like, he has it in him, which makes it perfect. He's not just that typical, like, oh, my God, he does everything that doesn't show up on the box score. I'm not trying to paint him out to be that guy. I'm painting him out to be that guy and more because there's going to be nights that he does drop 20-plus points like he did against Toronto. So hope, hopefully that made sense. <laughs> I don't even know. But uh, what I'm pretty much trying to say is he's everything that that sort of, you know, stat sheet, um, under-the-radar guy is, but while also having, you know, from a night-to-night basis, he can actually go off, which is crazy. But um, again, aside from the numbers, I want to get into that sort of like off-the-statue guy, which he is, because Peyton Pritchard, you know, everyone's making claims for rookie of the year and his numbers and where he is. He's pretty much top 10, if not top 5 in every single rookie category, including rebounds, which is crazy. I don't know if he's going to keep that up, to be completely honest. I think that Kemba Walker's going to come back and just subsequently, like, he's going to have a tough time. He's going to at least shave off, you know, I don't know, five minutes a night maybe from Pritchard when Kemba comes back, which I think that's just going to be on Brad Stevens to figure out how to play Pritchard with Kemba and, you know, how to how to work him in there when Kemba's not in and whatnot because they also have Jeff Teague. We can't forget about that. Now, I will say that I think Pritchard, you know, with Teague being injured especially, has taken, you know, probably a step up on the totem pole when it comes to um, where he ranks as the point guard and at the guard position. So that's good for Pritchard. But I do think, you know, having this mix of guards in Kemba, Teague, Pritchard, and then even throw Smart in there, that's going to be kind of interesting to see how Brad goes forward with those four guys and, and the three smaller guys especially. Um, but what, so that's what I mean when I say I don't know about these stats popping off or if Pritchard's going to get like 25 point nights, that type of thing. But what he does and why I think he's going to stay in this rotation is because one, He's incredibly poised. You can look at him and say, oh my God, what? He hasn't been in the league for five years? No way that that guy's a rookie, right? He plays like that as a point guard too, which is really, really rare. It's easy to say that about a big, strong guy, right? Oh yeah, he's NBA ready. His body's strong. You know, he doesn't doesn't back down from anyone. Yada, yada, yada. 
But when you have a young, small, you know, point guard that is sort of like, you know, you'd think he'd get intimidated physically by a lot of these guys. You know, he's he's up against Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler the other night. All of a sudden, you're looking at him, it's like, this guy doesn't give a crap who's in front of him or who he's covering. That's the poise I'm talking about, and that's on both sides of the ball. Defensively, obviously, he's smaller, but he still gets into it with some of the stronger, bigger guys, and then all of a sudden, offensively, he has the ball, and it's like, he doesn't care if he has a great defender on him like Avery Bradley or Jimmy Butler. He's going to dribble around like Kyle Lowry was covering him. He's going to dribble around, do his thing, and not be worried about, okay, I'm going to make a mistake, because that's what we find a lot of rookies doing, right? Like all of a sudden, you know, they're 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 playing the game that they've played forever. They're they're good enough to play this game. We all know that. But then when they go to the big stage, they're timid, they're hesitant, they don't know exactly what they should do because they don't want the teammates to get mad at them or the coach to pull them. Peyton Pritchard could give zero you know what's. Like that guy's out there going, Let me just show everyone what I can do rather than let me get uh, you know, intimidated by some of these guys. Because when you uh, you know, look at it too, like from night one. This kid came out there and said, yeah, I'm going to drag my nuts on this league. I am. I don't give a crap about you guys. I'm going to play the game that I love. I'm going to keep playing it the way I've been playing it. Let me show everyone what I can do. That's what this dude's been doing. That's what this dude's been doing. And I mean, yeah, I can't not love it. Like I said, you know, if, if you don't, if you're not coming around on Peyton Pritchard, I don't know what's wrong with you. But he's able to go out there and absolutely contribute, you know, whether he's going for 23 points or, you know, having eight points and a game winner. Like, he does not care, and that's the biggest thing. And I don't mean to make it sound bad, like, oh, he doesn't care about anything. No, no, he doesn't care that he's playing at the level that he's at. He says, hey, it's just another basketball game. Let's go do it. I want to win. I could be playing in the backyard, and I still want to win. It's the competitive nature of him, and, you know, I think it kind of shows that, you know, you can't really frown. You can't always frown on the four-year college guy. It's always a frowned upon thing. Oh my God, he spent four years in college. You know, if he wasn't good enough to come out after his freshman year, is he really that good? I mean, Peyton Pritchard, as a young, you know, point guard, kind of says, yeah, maybe, maybe that was the right move because he came into the league absolutely NBA ready. And that's not, you don't usually come into the league NBA mentally ready, you know, mentally NBA ready. You come into the league, and like I've already said, they talk about the big man or the wing being like, oh my God, he's NBA ready when it comes to his body. He just needs to work on a few things. You hear that so much. How often do you have a rookie come into the league and someone just says, especially as a point guard, like I've been saying, someone says, yeah, he's NBA ready. Like pick something about Pritchard that he isn't NBA ready. He's a point guard, so you don't have to worry about him getting bigger or stronger. He's already playing pretty physical. And he's making the right decisions. His decision making is phenomenal. Um, and, you know, he doesn't care who's going up against him. So, I don't know. I know that's rambling and giving a lot of credit to Peyton Pritchard, but he deserves it, man. He's been huge for this team. Huge, huge, huge for this team. Um, whether or not the numbers are going to say it throughout the entire season, I think he's going to be huge for this team. Um, all right, next on the list, another. I guess the next obvious answer. I'm going to keep the two guys. I have a, I have a sort of a, a quadrant here that I want to get to. The next obvious, and it should be obvious to you because I've, I've already laid the claim that this guy is going to have his breakout year this year, and he's kind of doing it. So before I spoil the name... Head over to YouTube, find us Guy Boston Sports. We are posting way more on the YouTube channel now. I am personally. We're going to get some more people involved as well, but um, we're going live. So, you know, a lot of you guys that listen to this podcast also love the live streams. In fact, that's probably how you find out about found out about me, you know, going through the live streams. Those live streams are going to migrate over to YouTube live fairly soon because Twitter's getting ready, uh, rid of the live function and whatnot. So 
We already kind of started to stream to both places at once, and uh, we're building the YouTube. So Guy Boston Sports on YouTube, go check it out. And um, how am I tying this in? All right, so the reason I'm shouting out the YouTube channel is because I made a video saying this was going to be his breakout year, and um, it's been received really, really well. The guy is Robert Williams. It shouldn't come as a shock that Robert Williams is going to have a breakout year because, and again, I explained this in the video. I'll give you sort of a synopsis here. Robert Williams, for the first time ever, we're seeing a guy that does not go out there and make an absolutely guaranteed mistake. Okay? That's literally the only reason why I think he's going to break out. <laughs> like, like it's, it's, it's crazy the stuff that he's, he's able to do when he's not making mistakes. Think about it. When Robert Williams was out there, he always has had the leaping ability, the the catch and the pick and roll, catch the alley oop, finishing ability, the shot blocking ability, all that. He's always had that, right? But why did he get subbed out? Well, because he would follow the guy that's in front of him. He would jump to Neptune on a pump fake. He would be in the wrong place, wrong time. Didn't run the floor. Yada yada yada. The list goes on about his mental lapses that he's had over the past couple of years. You strip those away. Literally, what are you left with? Strip away the mental lapses that he had. What are you left with? Who cares about shooting? You can knock his shooting. He's actually showing that he's a decent passer, so I'm not even going to give you that credit. There's nothing you can really hate on his game if you take away the Dumbo moves because he is what he is. He is that absolutely athletic, alley-oop finisher, shot blocker, um, rim-protecting big. So I'm going to give him a huge shout-out to this team's success so far. Um, little starter there. So far. Because he has been a guy that they can and have the ability to turn to. When Brad Stevens used to have to play Robert Williams, it was like a, oh boy, oh boy, boys, let's, all right, Rob, get in there, see what you got, and Brad Stevens is secretly like shaking in his boots, hoping Robert Williams doesn't absolutely blow this game, but now he puts him out there and he's like, go make the impact that you're meant to make. And um, Robert Williams just deserves credit so far on this year. Again, a guy that the numbers aren't going to jump out at. But, you know, what was a huge issue with this team last year? Everyone talked about it, talked about it all throughout the season. Then it came sort of came true in the playoffs, right? Big man. The Celtics don't have a rim protector. The Celtics the Celtics stink when it comes to, you know, if, if one of the big men get injured, God forbid, like who are they going to turn to? Well, now they have a really good trio. Robert Williams, Daniel Tice, and Tristan Thompson, I've said it for a while now, sort of cover your bases when it comes to what you need at the center position. Obviously, they love just the all-around guy, the dominant center that does everything, but they don't have that. They have Daniel Tice, who's that really you know physical, gritty guy that, that can try as hard as he um, can on defense. You know what I mean? And then you have Tristan Thompson, who is the absolute rebounder. Like he is, he's a physical rebounder. He he really gets up in guys' um, faces when when he's covering them. And then you have Robert Williams, who's the leaper. Like you kind of cover all of your bases here um, when it comes to center position. Again, would you love a guy like? Would you love Robert Williams, the young one of the bunch, to turn into the guy that can do it all? No kidding. I'm not I'm not sitting here saying that they're good at the center position, but the fact that he's able to add value now, and that's sort of the biggest point I'm getting at here. The fact that Robert Williams is able to add value to this team, whereas before it was kind of a shot in the dark whether or not he was going to even make an impact, I think the fact that he adds value now goes above and beyond in terms of what it means to this team. Because, I, I, I don't know, I can't say enough good things about this kid, and I, I am one to admit, too, you know, before I get carried away here, that he has a long way to go until he's sort of just like an absolute starting center, and, you know, you don't even have to worry about him, because he still has, you know, every once once or twice a game, he has that sort of like, oh, crap, 
I, I forgot that I'm supposed to mature here. <laughs> I just made a bad move. He still has that in him, you know what I mean? But so far, so good for him. We've seen that sort of, you know, minimize and, and, and just go out to sea. Like, we don't even see it anymore. You know, that thing is, that, that, those mental lapses and that mental immaturity is sort of blown away in the wind and getting taken out with the tide. Now we just have a guy that has all the potential in the world and is a lot smarter about his game. So those are the two big ones, and I'm kind of putting these in order, to be honest. Um, Peyton Pritchard, Robert Williams, those are the one-two off the bench for me that have made an absolute impact. The next guy up is Sammy Ojale, and this is a guy that I've been critical of for the past, you know, year. The next name is the guy that I've been more critical of, but I'll get to him in a second. Sammy Ojale. Whew. I mean, I have literally said Sammy Ojale stinks on live streams, in tweets, on the podcast, on the blog. Semi Ojale has been proving me to be an idiot this year. And now this, I, I feel like I'm saying this, I'm not going to say it again, you know, because it's these guys are all in the same boat. The numbers aren't going to scream it at you. Semi Ojale has had a massively important season for the Celtics this year. And, you know, not to take credit for it, but it all started with me. When when they were losing by nine to the Bucks. Brad put Semi in, I tweeted out, Oh, great. They're losing biggest Bucks lead of the night, and they go to Sammy Ojale. What the heck, Brad? Then Sammy Ojale goes in and absolutely works and has, I think, his best game of the year probably. So, yeah, you can you can give me the uh, the props for, for sort of leading that charge. But, um, no, in real talk, Sammy Ojale has been a guy that, you know, this is the semi that we've been hoping to see every single year. He's hitting his open shots, making smart decisions, I guess I can say, with the ball, running the floor, and then most importantly to me, Playing good defense, not necessarily on the ball, but he has been really, really good in terms of positioning, playing off-ball defense, yada, yada, yada. Now, why is that, you know, most important to me? It's because we've had this false narrative of Semi Ojale until this year being like, oh my God, he's an amazing defender. Put him in, he's an amazing defender. No, 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 no. The guy locked up Giannis, like, for two minutes one time. And all of a sudden, it's like, you know, Giannis stopper. He must be a great defender. Semi Ojale has been an overrated-ass defender for the last couple years. Because he's strong, because they always talk about how he slams the weights in the right weight room, and he's so stronger, he's so much stronger than most guys. You just assume he's a good defender? No, like Semi Ojale, what I've seen has been a guy that, you know, is strong, commits fouls, um, isn't really fundamentally good. He's just a body out there. But this year... I'm telling you, watch this game, and you might not be an absolute Celtics junkie like me where I'm literally watching a defensive possession and I'm not just following the other team with the ball. I'm looking at Semi Ojale backside in the short corner, figuring out if he's in the right place at the right time. So that might be the weird move. Like, I'm not expecting everyone to do that. But uh, no, like, that's completely what I'm looking at, and that has what's what's been a huge improvement to Semi. So not necessarily just like that backside defensive. I'm not saying that, but overall defensively, he's actually sort of, you know, put his money where his mouth is, actually put his money where most Celtics fans' mouth has been, saying that, you know, I am a good defender, I am a reliable defender, and I can cover one through four. So shout-out to Semi Ojale. We're giving shout-outs here, obviously. We have um, the running list of Pritchard, Robert Williams, and Semi Ojale. Next up, Grant Williams. Yep, the guy that I've ragged on all along. Now, Grant Williams still has a little ways to go before I forgive him for the start of this year because he was he looks so bad to start the year. But these past couple games, Toronto and Miami Heat. Another video I made was on him on the YouTube channel, so that's worth checking out. I've said for a while now that Grant Williams has the potential to be really good, but everyone puts him on this pedestal and acts like he is the best guy in the world. 
And I don't think he's ready for that. I don't think he has been, and that's why I've been critical of him, right? Go back to previous episodes, tweets, whatnot. I'm always rooting for Grant Williams. I just want him, I want people to shoot it straight with him, like I have. When Grant Williams sucks, I say you suck. When he has good games, I say, hey, good game. Um, But, you know, so he stunk to start the year, and I've made this point on the YouTube video, and I'll make it here again. Grant Williams stunk to start the year last year, too. And then all of a sudden, by playoff time, I, I was on these, these podcasts saying, okay, I think he's proving that he is an NBA player. Still not what everyone says he should be, but he's an NBA player. Like, let's not forget people are like, he's the bigger Marcus Smart. He's going to be the next Draymond Green when Draymond was winning championships. Like, that's, that's getting so far ahead of ourselves. But the fact that in one season, he was able to, me for me to say, okay, he stinks to, okay, yeah, he's proving that he is a good NBA player. Um, nothing special yet, but definitely belongs here. Now, to start this season, the 2021 season, all of a sudden, I was like, dude, this guy stinks again. And just in like 10 games, all of a sudden, he's proving that he belongs again. So I think he's a slow starter, but I think he knows how to turn it around and, you know, faces adversity well. Because, you know, I was in the minority last year saying that I didn't like Grant Williams. And then all of a sudden, Celtics Nation just followed suit and was like, this guy stinks. Get him off the team. No way Grant Williams just like can't see that. You know what I mean? He probably saw it and said, okay, let me look at myself in the mirror and let me step it up. And, and that's exactly what he's done, you know? So it's like, I got to give credit where it's due because how he looked against Toronto and how he looked against Miami, he was incredibly important, incredibly important to both of those wins. Like, I can't deny that. As a self-admitted Grant Williams doubter, I can't deny that he was important in two absolutely conference rival wins. You know, a team that took you to seven games last year and then a team that beat you in six games last year in the playoffs. So shout out to Grant Williams. And again, he's another guy. I feel like I'm a broken record at this point. The numbers aren't going to show it, but him, those two games at least, he's been so important to this team. And I bring it up because if he's able to continue on this trend, you now have a point guard you can turn to. You now have a wing player in Semi you can turn to. You now have a big sort of hybrid wing big man you can turn to in Grant Williams. And then you have a center you can turn to in Robert Williams off the bench. All young, all growing, all only getting better. Do you guys understand how important that is to a team, to this team? Like, that's unbelievable. And I don't think I'm over-exaggerating here. If those guys can be absolute contributors night in and night out, That's huge. That takes a team that we all ragged on at the beginning of this year and even last year saying there's no bench, this team sucks, the bench stinks. That takes a team that was that team to all of a sudden they have one of the best young benches in the NBA. Now again, that's assuming they continue to contribute positively. That's asking a lot, I'll admit that. But it's possible because we've seen it now in a few different games. So one last shout out to Pritchard. One last shout out to Robert Williams, one last shout out to Semi Ojale, and one last one to Grant Williams. Now, the last topic of today's episode, I don't know what time we're at here, but you know, it's probably a shorter episode. The one last topic is Marcus Smart. Does that sound, I, I gotta get pumped up. Let me hear some applause. You guys are too kind. You guys are too kind. Are you, what the hell are you laughing at me for? I, I can't. I someone's got to take the sound pad away from me if I'm being honest. But um, Marcus Smart. So he's had sort of a quiet year, right? Now I'm gonna give my overall take on him, and then I kind of want to talk about one thing in particular. So overall, people have 
I feel like been on either side of Marcus Smart. When he doesn't score, it's like, oh my God, he can't score. But then they forget to look at that he was incredibly good with the ball, had like seven assists. I'm using the Milwaukee game as an example, but didn't make a shot. So instead of saying, oh my God, what a good facilitation game by Marcus Smart, people like to go in and rag on him for not scoring. Then he has a game where, you know, maybe he drops, and I don't have a specific game example here, but maybe he drops 20 points, hits three threes, um, but took a lot of shots. Then people are like, oh my God, no, go back to passing. Don't shoot the ball, Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart, and I don't know why. I thought he proved himself. I thought people love Marcus Smart, has just seemingly not been on the right side of any sort of opinion of Boston fans lately. And I'm just using the masses as an example because what he did last night against the Heat, and I, I kind of ragged on him for this, but I didn't know what I was doing when I did it because I started a little uprising. I said it on the postgame stream on YouTube, and then I also tweeted it out this morning. When Marcus Smart missed that last shot against the Heat, and Peyton Pritchard came in for the tip and won the game, Marcus Smart got up and yelled at the ref, like yelled, call the effing foul, man, goddamn, really aggressively right at the ref. I was thinking that should have been a technical foul, he'd get the ball, make a foul shot, then possibly tip it in for the win. It was a terrible time to do that, so I said it. I said it on the podcast, I said, or I said it on Twitter, and I said it on the post-game stream. I said, that was a bonehead move by Marcus Smart. What is he thinking? Not characteristic, like, of him. Then all of a sudden, the the uprising of people trade Smart. Smart sings, we don't need Smart, we don't need him, he's a terrible leader. I'm like, whoa. This is all pretty much based on the Pistons game, where he took a last-second shot, and then now on the Heat game, he took a last-second shot. Let me remind everyone here. You're talking about a guy that is absolutely the heart and soul of this team, plays the best defense on this team, took three charges opening night against Giannis to pretty much lock their game up, right? You're talking about that guy, and you're basing it off the 47th and 32nd minute or whatever, the 48th minute of the game. That's what you're basing it on. Not the rest of the game or all the positives that he contributed that you didn't even notice. So before we get to the Marcus Smart slander, I need people to take a step back, think about what Marcus Smart is, realize it's you know, 9, 10 games into the season, and then start to, then maybe, then me, give me your new take, you know, you know, give me your new take. Do you really hate Marcus Smart? Trade Marcus Smart? Are you kidding me? The only good point I saw, and I do kind of believe it, is that, you know, if you only like Marcus Smart to be the leader he is, then he's not as valuable. And that's true, because if we're only looking at Marcus Smart to be a leader for these young guys, they don't need that anymore. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are leaders. Like, they're playing. Whether or not they're vocal yet, mm, that's still to be told, but they're playing like leaders. We've seen both of them talk to the young guys. You know, maybe they're not yelling like Marcus Smart does, but um, I don't think they need the Marcus Smart leadership as much as they once did. So if you're only looking at him as, as a leader, then sure, I guess he's becoming expendable. But I'm looking at him as an all-defensive player, a guy that really sets the tone for this team and that they miss when he's out. So I just, I don't know, I had to come on here and defend it because people misconstrued what I said. I said it was a bonehead move and uncharacteristic. And then people took that as an opportunity to say, oh my God, he stinks, let's get rid of him. He's so bad, I never liked him. Like, bullshit. I can go back and find tweets from last year of you praising this guy. You know what I'm saying? So the Marcus Smart slander has to stop. You can't base everything on the 48th minute of a game, even though it's the most important minute, obviously. But you can't base your whole take on Marcus Smart of the you know 48th minute with one second to go in the minute and forget about the, the other 47 minutes and 50 seconds that he's contributed well for the team. Now, if you really hate every shot he takes, then maybe you get the bone, the pick, but then that's your problem, man. Marcus Smart's kind of proven that he can hit open shots. I'm not saying he's a sharpshooter, but... Get used to Marcus Smart shooting threes because, you know, it's the NBA world nowadays and he does hit a few of them that get him going, right? So that's all I have to say on Marcus Smart. That's all I have to say on the podcast, guys. 
you know, quick episode. I think we're only probably right around 20 minutes or so, but you know, it's, 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 I, I wanted to run through this. I wanted to give the shout outs where it was possible and then defend Marcus Smart there. You know, if, if you really want the game to game breakdown, that's where I'm going live after post game. So I hate to, to do it to the people that only listen to the podcast, but really, really go check out the post game. If you want to hear me talk game, talk about what happened in the game, I'm not coming on the podcast every week or twice a week. Excuse me, talking about, um, I don't even know what just happened. I just had like a burp in my chest. <laughs> Jeez, way to end the podcast. But um, yeah, I, I'm not coming on here talking and breaking down every single play of every game. We got the post game for that. So if you want that, go check that out on YouTube. It's Guy Boston Sports on YouTube. You can find it easy enough. Sub to the channel, put the notifications on, and like all of our videos, please. And um, speaking of the, the uh, you know, pleading for your actions here, make sure you follow this podcast along, subscribe on iTunes, follow on Spotify, and share it around on Twitter. Um, but that's all I got for you guys. Ev out. See you guys in the next stream. Did I just say stream? See you guys in the next podcast. Jeez, my wires are twisted right now. Let's go. You guys are too kind. Thank you. Catch you guys in episode number 95.